Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Hey everybody, welcome back to Summit Church. I'm so glad that you've joined us this weekend. My name is Mel Massingale and I'm one of the pastors here. And I just wanna welcome you and say thanks for joining us. I pray that God blesses you no matter where you are or how you're joining us. I pray that you're having an incredible day. So thank you again for being a part of what God is doing here. We're in part three of a series uh, called Rest that we started a few weeks ago. And I'm so glad that you've been joining us. If you haven't listened or watched uh, the last couple of weeks, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, last weekend for Mother's Day, my wife, Pastor Kim, did an incredible job uh, just sharing her heart, uh, just sharing uh, about rest, and I would encourage you, make sure you listen to that. And I'm going to reiterate some of the things she talked about today, uh, but, but really we're going to take some time and talk about Sabbath and what that looks like. And if you're interested in going a little deeper in this uh, topic, there's a couple of books that we've used as resources for this series. One is a book by John Ortberg, and it's called Soul Keeping. It is a fantastic book on just how to nurture and care for your soul. And Sabbath is a part of that, and rest is a part of that. And the other one is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Um, both of these are great resources, great books that you can pick up um, on Amazon and, uh, and read and go a little deeper with this if you would like. But I would encourage you to do so. It really is important. And these two guys, they have a relationship. Actually, John Ortberg is the mentor for John Mark Homer. And in uh, the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, uh, they tell this story. And it's a story about John Ortberg with his with his uh, mentor, who's called named Dallas Willard, who is a, a giant of the faith, a theologian, an author, uh, and. and he talks about this conversation they had and John Ortberg asks Dallas Willard, he says, what do I need to do to become the me I want to be? So he's asking his mentor, what do you see in me? What do I need to change? What do I need to do to grow? What is, what is important in me that needs to happen? And his mentor says to him, you must ruthlessly eliminate the hurry from your life. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. And this is so profound, it's so deep. That, that of all the things he could have said, hey, prioritize relationships. Hey, you need to focus on these three steps. What he, what he said is, hey, you need to eliminate hurry from your life. And this is important for all of us, that I think in order for us to grow in our faith, to take the next step toward Christ, one of the most important things we can do is ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives and, and replace that with, with Christ. Uh, one of the verses I read to you a couple of weeks ago that is so important for this series is uh, from Matthew chapter 11, and this is Jesus talking. I'm going to read from the message version. It's Matthew 11, 28 through 30, and Jesus says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll live to live, you'll learn to live freely and light. And what a beautiful passage this is and what an incredible way that, that Christ is communicating to his followers. Hey, I've got something totally different than what the culture is offering you. I've got something totally different than what the world is offering you. If you'll simply come to me, you're gonna get rest. And that's what he is offering today. 
And so when we talk about Sabbath, a lot of things come to mind. Uh, and the truth is we don't take Sabbath very seriously because for most of us, we think about Sabbath as church. Um, when we hear the commandment to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, we think, uh, hey, get to church or God's gonna be mad at you. That's what we interpret this as. And really, that's not really what it means at all. So we've hijacked Sabbath to mean church attendance or a day off. But there's really so much more to Sabbath than that. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, it says this. And this is when the commandments were given to Moses, and God is communicating this to him. And in verse 8, he says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and, all, and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So it's not a Sabbath for you, it's a Sabbath to you. We're giving that day to God. And it says... On it you shall not do any work, uh, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gate. So he said, even if there are people who don't believe like you do, I'm gonna take this so seriously that you don't even let those people that are staying with you work on the Sabbath. You are to rest, your whole household. Verse 11 says, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, last week, uh, Pastor Kim talked a little bit about this idea that, that God rested on the seventh day, and I want you to know something. God did not need the rest. God wasn't exhausted at the end of the six days and was like, I got a break, I got to have a break here. Uh, but what God was doing was setting a pattern for us because if we're going to be honest, God knows us. He knows our hearts. And he knows that if he doesn't prioritize rest, we won't prioritize rest. So if he doesn't say, you shall take a Sabbath, we're not going to take it on our own. Uh, we're going to need someone to say, you shall take a Sabbath day. And when we look at the commandments, we tend to, to marginalize the Sabbath. We look at the big ones, murder and adultery, uh, stealing, all those things. Those are the big ones. And then Sabbath is kind of a throwaway for most of us. But when we look at this, Sabbath is, is central. It's important. The, the word Sabbath, it's Shabbat. And what it means is to cease or desist or rest. And, and God prioritizes rest for us in the Ten Commandments. Why would he do that? Why would he prioritize it? Why would he put it at the same level as murder? And this is the way the Jewish people approach Shabbat is they make it holy. They understand that one of the worst things you can do is violate the Sabbath. And so they take it very seriously. So, so why don't we? And the reason I, I believe is, is because we're busy. We've got a lot of stuff going on. We've got to-do lists. We've got deadlines. We've got things happening in our lives that we need to meet and so we just don't prioritize a Sabbath. We don't think it's that big a deal. But when we look at it in the context that Jesus, that God put it in the same context as murder, as adultery, as these things, that we need to take it that seriously. That if it's serious to God, it should be serious to us as well. So the Jews, they look at the Sabbath as a holy day. And they, they observe it every week. Good Jews will make time beginning at, at sundown and ending at sunrise. They're going to have their Sabbath, their Shabbat, where they don't work, they don't strive, that they rest in the Lord, that they've got routines and rituals that they will perform to observe that day and try to make it holy. One of the sayings that I love that I've read over the years is this. It says, more than Israel has kept Shabbat, Shabbat has kept Israel. So 
they put a lot of emphasis on keeping the Sabbath. But what this rabbi has said is, uh, it's not that we keep the Sabbath, it's that the Sabbath has kept us. That day, that, that setting aside of rest has allowed us to thrive through the centuries, uh, through millennia. Our people are still here, our people are still well because of Shabbat, because of the Sabbath. There's a story in Mark chapter 2. Uh, verse 23, and it says this, one Sabbath, he, talking about Jesus, was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck the heads off of grain. So they're walking through grain fields. And, and I imagine they're, they're dragging their hands over the heads of the grain as they're walking through, like maybe you did when you were a kid. And they begin plucking the heads off of the grain. Verse 24 says, and the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing that? Uh, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? So they're saying, hey, they are harvesting, is what they're saying. And when he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of, the, of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and he ate the bread in the pre, of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. So David was on the run from Saul, and, uh, and he goes to Nob, uh, to Abiathar as a high priest, and he lies to him. And he says, hey, I'm on a special errand from the king. Uh, I, need, I need something to eat. And he said, okay, I've got this bread of the presence. It's, it's for the priests. It's dedicated to God. You're not supposed to eat it. And David says, uh, yeah, it's no problem. I'm, I'm cleansed. I'm holy. So he, he was doing the wrong thing. He was breaking the law technically. And so Jesus brings this to their attention. And he said to them, the Shabbat, the Sabbath, was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath. So what he says to them is, hey, you're concerned about, about some little thing that they're doing on the Sabbath. Are they breaking the law? Technically they are, but, I, but what he says is, is so profound, especially to people who honored the Sabbath highly. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He said, the man is not slaves to the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for the good of man. I, I've got a, a person that I'm in relationship with, a friend that uh, he's, he's written several books. And one of the things he said in, it, in one of his books is this, if you don't take the Sabbath, the Sabbath will take you. His name's Kerry Newoff. Uh, and, and I stole that from him a few years ago and I continue to remind it of it. If you don't take a Sabbath, the Sabbath will take you. And he tells this in, in regards to a season of burnout that he was in in ministry. And what he says is he wasn't resting enough. He wasn't spending enough time with God. He wasn't um, stopping and having a Sabbath. And because of that, he eventually had a breakdown. He eventually, uh, it led to burnout for him. And this, this idea is so true that if you don't take a Sabbath, the Sabbath will take you. At some point, your body will re reject the rhythms we're on, will reject the schedules and the pace we're on, because God understood when he instituted the Sabbath that we need a day off. We need a rest. And a day off is not just uh, chilling on the couch watching TV. Maybe that's part of resting, but what, what we're really getting at today is not just not going into the office, but what we're really getting at is finding rest in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If you look at the things that were not allowed according to Jewish law, it's pretty amazing. And I want to read a few of the things that were not allowed on the Sabbath according to Jewish law. 
planting, plowing, reaping, gathering, threshing, winnowing, sifting, kneading, so no making bread on the Sabbath, uh, cooking, there you go. Some of you are really excited about the Sabbath now. No cooking or baking, no shearing, no cleaning. Again, some of you are super excited. No laundering on the Sabbath. You couldn't do any laundry that day. No dyeing, and that doesn't mean you couldn't dye. It means you couldn't dye um, fabrics. So like they would allow you to pass away, I guess, but, uh, but there was no dyeing of fabrics. No spinning or warping or weaving or tying or untying. No sewing, tearing, trapping, killing, filleting, skinning, no curing or preserving, no smoothing, scoring, uh, no measured cutting. Uh, there was no writing, erasing, construction, demolition, no igniting a fire. But listen to this, there was no, there was no extinguishing of fires either. So if a fire started, you could not extinguish the fire. Can you imagine that? It's like your kids knock something over and a fire starts, and you're like, well, shoot, I guess we gotta let the house burn down. But this was according to Jewish law. Now, the one exception to these was if, if you had to do something to save a human life, then you could. But these were all the rules and all the regulations and all the precepts that were set, and, and Jewish people hold fast to these. Many devout Jews, even today, hold fast to these, these guidelines and this law. They were very legalistic about the Sabbath, but the ironic thing is we're just the opposite. We don't observe the Sabbath at all. If we do, it's simply to go to church once in a while or maybe we'll jump online and watch a service. Uh, but, but that's what we do and that's it. We, we don't regard uh, the Sabbath as a holy day as God instructed us to. We don't remember it at all. If, you know, we, we prioritize ball games and tournaments. We prioritize going to the lake. We prioritize all kinds of other things over doing what God's asked us to do. And the reality is, like I said earlier, we're busy. We got deadlines, we got lists, we've got expectations, we've got things we're trying to get done. And the truth is there are things we want in this life. There are things that we wanna do, there are things we wanna accomplish, there are things we wanna acquire, and all that takes time. And scripture actually speaks to that. The wisest man that ever lived, his name was Solomon. Uh, he, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, and Ecclesiastes 1, verse seven and eight, he says this. He says, all streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. He said, all this is wearing me out. Maybe you relate to that today. And he goes on to say, a man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. So what Solomon is saying here is, is just as the stream leads to the ocean and the ocean is never full, we can hear, we can see, we can consume, and we're never going to be satisfied. Because the truth is, our, our desires are limitless. Our desires are infinite. We will never be satisfied with what we have, with what we've consumed, with what we see. There's always going to be more. So if we have a limitless desire for more, if we want with an infinite level, we have to understand that we'll never be satisfied with a finite world. There's nothing in this finite world that's going to bring satisfaction to my soul, that's going to bring peace to my life, except an infinite God. An infinite God is the answer for intimate or for infinite 
desires in our life. So an infinite God is the solution for infinite desires. That's what he wants for us. And that's what the Sabbath is about. Sabbath is about saying, I'm going to stop everything. I'm going to hit the pause button. And God, I'm going to focus on you. God, I'm not going to take this day and I'm going to spend it trying to complete all the stuff I want to complete and get done and acquire and accumulate and finish because the truth is I can't do that. I'll never be satisfied in this world. But God, I'm going to take this day to understand you are the one who can satisfy my soul. You're the one who can complete me. That's what the Sabbath really is. Um, St. Augustine said this, he said, you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. God has made us to be in relationship, intimate relationship with him. And our hearts are restless until we find true rest in him. I love this idea and I love this thought. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I shared with you um, a passage from Hebrews chapter four. In Hebrews three and four, we see uh, the writer of Hebrews was referencing the children of Israel who were wandering the wilderness and they disobeyed God and so they didn't enter into the promised land. They didn't enter into their rest. And the verse I wanna read to you again is verse 11 from chapter four. And, and the writer of Hebrews says this to his contemporaries. He says, let us therefore strive to enter the rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. He says, let us strive, let us work hard to enter that rest. And I want you to know it is hard to do what God asks us to do. It's hard to set some things aside. It's hard to cease. It's hard to stop because again, we'll ask the question, what is rest? And rest isn't just sitting on a couch. It's not just watching Netflix for 12 hours. We binge watch four seasons of a show. That's not what rest really is. The kind of rest that we need, the kind of rest that God prescribes is a rest in him where our soul stops striving to acquire, to accumulate, to get, to fix, to make for ourselves. That we understand there's only one who can satisfy us and we find our satisfaction in him. So what is rest? Rest is working in God's strength. Rest is just saying, God, uh, there's, I'm finite. There's only so much I can do, but I know you are infinite. So God, I'm not gonna work in my own strength. I'm gonna rest by working in your strength. Uh, my dad Years ago, uh, well, before he passed away even, he loved to mow the yard, which is crazy to me. Uh, I don't love mowing the yard. I've got a tiny yard. It takes me 20 minutes to mow it. I still hate doing it. But my dad had this big yard. My mom still does. She's doing all the mowing now. But my dad loved to mow the yard. And he had this mower that he bought and he loved. He took care of. He babied it. His yard, he would make sure he put down the right pesticides and the right stuff for the weeds. I mean, all the, he knew he had the schedule down. It was perfect. He babied that place. And he loved doing it. It wasn't work for him. He loved doing it. And for years, he worked highway construction. And my, my mom's grandpa, my great-grandpa, kind of would give my dad a hard time because my dad, he would work six days a week. And on Sunday, on the Sabbath, he would mow the yard sometimes. And he loved doing it. And my grandpa would get a little sideways with him. But he didn't understand that my dad loved doing it. It was, it was time for him to get alone, that uh, he could just sit on a mower uh, for a couple of hours, that he could be focused on God, that he could just be alone by himself. There's no noise, there's no distractions. And this was, this was in some ways a Sabbath for my dad is to get on a lawnmower. And for me, I, my day off, um, 
Well, now my days off are weird. Uh, my typical day off was a Friday, and so that was my Sabbath. And on my Sabbath, I would spend time with Kim. I would spend time by myself. I would just be quiet. I would read. I would do things that would stir up a greater affection for Christ in my life. And so for each of us, Sabbath might look a little differently, but what its purpose is, is to stir up a greater affection for Christ and for us to remember who really is doing the work and, and put our faith and our trust in him. A couple things that I think are important for us in regards to Sabbath. Um, I think one of the things we're seeing in the season we're in now is solitude and silence. I think solitude and silence are an important aspect of Sabbath that we neglect. Last week, uh, Pastor Kim talked a little bit about silence, how she doesn't mind sitting in silence. Um, I like silence. I like quiet. Um, It's nice to not have noise going on around you. And if you've got a house full of kids right now during quarantine, you know that there is no silence in your house. Uh, Even your dreams are plagued with kids screaming and I'm so sorry I'm praying for you right now. But we need solitude, we need silence, we need time where we can get away. Uh, As Pastor Kim talked about last week and as I talked about a couple of weeks ago, that, that Jesus would get away at times. He would steal away by himself. He would invite us into that, come away with me. What he's saying is get away from the distractions, get away from the noise, get some silence, get some solitude. So what does that look like for us? Maybe you turn off your cell phone. Maybe at a certain time every day, you just turn off your cell phone. I'm done with the cell phone calls for the day. I'm not gonna keep checking it. Uh, Maybe it's a a break from social media. Uh, Maybe you just turn off social media for a season. Maybe you turn it off at a certain time every day. Maybe you just schedule your day where you say, I'm gonna check it at first thing in the morning and the last thing at night, uh, but that's it. I'm not gonna be on it grazing on social media all day because it's just not healthy for our souls. Maybe for you, solitude and silence means I'm gonna go for a long walk. Um, uh, Hey, when my spouse gets home, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna take 30 minutes. I'm gonna take an hour. I'm just gonna go for a walk by myself. I'm not even gonna put my earbuds in. I'm just gonna listen to nature. I'm just gonna have my heart available to hear from God and talk to God. Uh, Maybe it's just you sitting quietly on a porch. Maybe it's just you being by yourself for just a little bit, building in some time to your schedule to hear from God. So solitude and silence are important. I don't know what that might look like for you, but I bet you do. Uh, The next is simplicity, just simplifying some things. That's one of the beautiful things about the season we're in right now is that everyone's schedule is simplified, but the problem is it's forced simplification. We are forced to simplify our schedule. So, so my question to you is, what's going to happen when our schedules get back to normal? When our lives go back to what they were before, are, is your schedule going to be overrun again? Are you going to be stressed out? Are you gonna be frazzled because now your life is not simplified any longer? If that's the case, then you need to plan ahead and think now, how am I gonna simplify our schedules? How am I gonna adjust? Because if we're gonna be totally honest, maybe you've really enjoyed, like we have, uh, not having to take kids to four different practices every night. Uh, That's been a nice thing. So maybe that means we have to say no. Maybe that means we just put that word back into our vocabulary. Hey, can I be a part of? Hey, can you help with? Maybe we just go, no, I can't. And I want you to know something. I I think it talks about it a little in uh, one of the books, but no is a complete sentence. You don't have to say, no, I'm sorry. No, I I can't, and here's why. Uh, You can say no. No, you can't be on the ball team, the eighth ball team. You can't play this sport year round. You can't because we need a break. We need some uh, some simplicity in our schedule. 
even in your own personal schedule? Can you simplify it? Can you make it a little simpler, easier? Um, Say no to good things so you can say yes to the best things. That's one of the things we talk about on staff quite a bit. The third thing is this, slowing, and this is hard for us, For me, as the pastor of this church, I want to move faster. I want to go further. And let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. That's how I'm wired. And so it's hard for me to go slower. Uh, It's hard for me to slow down my my heart at times, my mind at times, even my schedule. Because I feel like a busier schedule is more productive. But it's not always the best thing for me. It's not always the best thing for my heart. And if it's not good for my heart, it's probably not good for my family. It's probably not good for this church. So what I have to do is be conscientious of the fact that I have to slow things down. It's interesting in the book, um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, um, one of the things he talks about is um, what, what if you drove the speed limit? And (laughs) I just laughed at that because I thought, man, there are times that it's so easy for me just to drive the speed limit and people are whizzing by you. And then there are some times that I just feel like, no, 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 I got to make good time. I got to, whatever it is. And it's just tension within me that I've got to let go of, that I've got to say, hey, no, I'm willing to slow down. I'm willing to take some deep breaths. Maybe you leave earlier than you need to so you can build in some margin. Uh, Maybe you just build some margin into your schedule instead of having meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. Maybe you build some margin into your schedule where you can take a deep breath, where you can slow some things down, where you don't have to be as pressed and rushed in your schedule. Whatever that might be, let's build some of these things in. Solitude, simplicity, just slowing down. What does that look like? How do we apply that practically in our lives? I think the Holy Spirit's gonna show you if you ask him, hey, show me how to apply these things. He's gonna reveal some things to you and it might not be easy, but it's going to be good for your soul. Um, There's a rabbi named Abraham Joshua uh, Heschel and he says this, he said, we must not forget that it's not a thing that lends significance to a moment, it is a moment that lends significance to a thing. So many times we get so focused on, man, I I need the new iPhone. Man, if I could just get that car. Man, if I could just, man, if we just had a little more money and we work for that stuff and that stuff has no value outside of moments, outside of relationships. And if we would shift our focus and say, you know what? I'm gonna work hard on relationship. I'm gonna work hard to make sure my soul is healthy before the Lord, that I am resting before God. Our lives would begin to shift One of the things that's interesting about Sabbath is if we will simply trust God that the work we put in for six days will be sufficient and that God will make up the difference, it's amazing how we can rest. One of the problems with Sabbath is we just don't trust God. Kim alluded to this last week a little bit, but if we would simply trust God a little more, it would make Sabbath easier because we could say, God, I'm gonna be complete in you. God, I feel like there's always gonna be more to do. My to-do list is always longer than I have time, but, but God, I'm gonna trust that you're gonna make this all work. So God, I'm gonna prioritize, I'm gonna work hard, but God, I'm also gonna work hard at resting. I'm gonna work hard at Sabbathing. I'm gonna Sabbath hard. That's what I'm gonna do, God. I'm gonna trust you that you are enough to meet my needs. It's not about me being strong enough and doing uh, enough work and being uh, diligent enough. God, I'm going to work hard, but God, you're the one who makes up the difference. I'm going to trust you in these ways. You know, at its core, Sabbath really is about trust in the same way that tithing is about trust, that we say, God, I'm going to trust you with 10% and I'm going to believe that my 90% will be more than enough to take care of what I need. And God miraculously does that over and over and over again. In the same way, we have to say, God, I'm going to trust you with a day that's going to be your day, that it's going to 
bring healing and restoration to me, but God, I'm gonna dedicate it to you. And I'm gonna believe that by giving you that day, the other six days, I'm gonna have everything I need to take care of what you're asking me to do. So can we trust God? I wanna close with this passage. Psalm chapter 46, verse 10 says this, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. Uh, the Holman Christian Standard Bible says, stop your fighting and know that I am God. The New American Standard Bible says, cease striving and know that I am God. And the Passion Translation says, surrender your anxiety, be silent and stop your striving and you will see that I am God. I love how all this reads, but this word be still here in the Hebrew, the word is rafa. And the word rafa means to sink, relax, drop, or let go. And I love this because what we see is, in Exodus chapter 15, God actually reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha. There's this moment when the children of Israel have left Egypt. They're wandering in the wilderness. They don't have any water. And they find this stream and they try it and they realize it's bitter. It's not fit for drinking. And, and what God does, is he gives Moses instructions. And he says, hey, Moses, throw some, some wood in the stream. And I'm going to take that bitter water, the, the water that's undrinkable, the water that's unuseful, the water that's not healthy, and I'm going to redeem it. So Moses obeys. And after this, God says, hey, I'm, I'm gonna take care of you. He, and he, what he says is, I am the God who heals. And this is where he uses this phrase for the first time, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And so what we see is this. He says, be still and know that I am God in Psalm. Be still, Rapha. What he's saying is be healed. I want you to be healed. And in your healing, you're gonna see who I really am. See, the reality is, the, the ceasing striving of a Sabbath, it really comes back to us being healed, us being whole, us dropping some things, us letting some things go, being still in that moment saying, I'm gonna drop some stuff. I'm gonna set some stuff down. There's been a weight that I've been carrying that I can't carry any longer, God. And it's, it's caused some, some stress on me, my emotions, my heart, my mind, my body. So God, you know what? I, I'm just gonna stop. I'm just gonna rest in you. I'm gonna be still and know that you're God. I'm gonna let you heal me. Jehovah Rapha, bring healing to me. That's what he wants to do. That's what his heart is. That's what he is really all about. He wants to heal you, and that's what the Sabbath is. Stopping long enough to know that there's a God who wants to heal you of the stress and the worry and the anxiety, the physical toll that it takes on you, that's what he wants to do. And the question is, will you let him? One last quote. Walter Brueggemann said this, people who keep the Sabbath live all seven days differently. If you're gonna prioritize God, it will change the rest of your schedule miraculously. So trust God, believe him, trust him with your Sabbath, let him heal your heart. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that are watching right now. I pray your blessing on them. I pray you would cover them, minister in them. God, I pray that you'd help them see clearly what they need to change, adjust, prioritize in their schedules, in their lives, so that they can Sabbath well, so that they can rest well in you. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would reveal it to them and then give them the strength to make the changes. Give them the, the fortitude to say no to some things so that they can say yes to the best things. So Lord, I pray for healing and restoration to happen as we rest in you. God, I pray for those that are watching this that don't know you. Let today be the day that they surrender their lives to you and that they enter into the rest of being a child of God. So God, I pray that you draw them to you today. Let them see how good, how kind, how wonderful you really are. And it's in your name we pray, amen.
Maybe you're watching this today and you've never really experienced the rest of God because you've never really walked with God before. Maybe you're religious, maybe you've seen things, but you've never really experienced it. And I want you to know something. Today is your day. I want you to to just make a simple decision to surrender your life to Christ, to begin to walk with him. And you're gonna experience the rest of God that he has for you, the healing that comes by just being still with him. The scripture tells us in Romans that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, you shall be saved. And it's interesting because the word salvation in scripture, it also means to be healed. So in a very real way, you're being healed today when we surrender our lives to Christ. So I wanna, I wanna help you take the next step. I wanna pray a prayer and I want you to repeat this prayer with your mouth, but I want you to believe it in your heart. So I want every single one of you that are watching this today to, to just simply repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, Thank you for loving me and thank you for giving Jesus, your son, to pay the price for my sins on the cross. Today, I'm done striving. I'm done working and I'm ready to surrender my life to you. Help me find rest in you. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. From now on, I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, scripture tells us if you prayed that prayer, you're a new creation today. And we would love to help you take the next step in your faith journey. So do me a favor and simply text the word different to the number 94000. And when you do that, we're gonna respond back to you. And we're gonna get you some resources. We're gonna get you a Bible in the mail. We're gonna help you take the next step in your faith journey. We've got things available for you online that we can help you begin to grow right now, no matter where you're at. If if you're not in this area, we're gonna help you find a life-giving church in your area that you can begin to grow with. So thank you for worshiping with us today. If you're watching this, and maybe this this message resonated with you that you need rest, I wanna encourage you, connect with one of our prayer team that might, may be watching on this platform right now, but if not, you can simply text your prayer need or email your prayer need to prayer at summitpa.church. Let us know about your prayer need and we wanna pray with you and agree with you and whatever may be going on in your life. But guys, I want you to know something. I love you more than you know and I'm so honored I get to be your pastor. God bless you. We'll see you soon.